You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. Sarah's out this week. She'll be back next week. We are celebrating Rally Week here on KFUO. Visit kfuo.org slash rallyweek. Find out how you can be a part of, a partner with KFUO, uh, supporting KFUO, maybe as a first-time day sponsor or uh, a gift, an ongoing gift or a one-time gift. All gifts are welcome. kfuo.org slash rallyweek. You can see those different ways you can do that, or you can uh, you can give us a call. You can email us, gifts at kfuo.org. And glad to uh, to talk with you more about partnering with KFUO. As Lutherans, many Lutherans here in the Midwest probably are familiar with our history of the the Lutherans settling in Perry County, Missouri. And uh, some neighbors to those Lutherans are celebrating a, a milestone this year. And it's it's time to dig into the history and maybe learn part of the story that we don't know so much about. Joining us for that, Mr. Warren Schmidt. He's with the Lutheran Heritage Center and Museum in Altenburg, Missouri. Warren, thanks so much for being our guest on the Coffee Hour today. Well, thank you for having me. It's a real honor. As we think back, you know, reflecting on history, and many of us probably are familiar with the story of the the um, the Lutheran immigrants who settled in Perry County, and they had some neighbors, and I want to learn more about those neighbors and the milestone that they're celebrating this year. But before we get into that, let's talk a little bit about the, the, uh, the Saxon immigrants who settled in Perry County. What experience with life in untouched lands did these immigrants have uh, pre- prior to their arrival to Perry County? Well, they, the immigrants were really, to be honest with you, unprepared for what they were facing here. They, they came here, they were, uh, they were not farmers, as a lot of people like, uh, might expect to, to be. Uh, a lot of them were professional people who had jobs like shoemakers and weavers and uh, my ancestor came over as a locksmith so they they got here and they a lot of them had to change over to become farmers just to put some food on their tables so embarking on new life in a new land um to to i guess sum it up in in simpler words these were city folk and now they were living in uh not a city but the country but who was already um who who was already in the area uh, in 1819 uh a group of uh, and around that time a group of uh scots-irish presbyterians who who made uh, kind of a migration of their own from North Carolina came to this area and established a Presbyterian church uh, in a little village which is now called Brazel, Missouri. Uh, so they were here about 20 years before the Germans arrived on the scene. 20 years. So that's a, enough time for them to establish quite a life here right. in, in Missouri. Um, so what had they established? What had the uh, the Presbyterians established in that 20 years? Well, they they had farms, uh, basically, uh, started in that Brazo area. Uh, at, coming from North Carolina and uh, being Presbyterians, a few of them even had slaves uh, to help them with the farming there. But uh, that doesn't necessarily mean all of them did, but the, there was even a little bit of slavery going on in that area. Although the, when the German Lutherans got here, they were, they were. Uh, that's not something they uh, approved of at all. Had they established a congregation? Yes, in 1819, 
they actually got here uh, uh, a couple of years before that, maybe around 1817. A few of them kind of staggered in here and there and uh, established farms. And then in 1819 uh, was when they, uh, uh, that's when their congregation says they were officially started. That means this year is their bicentennial. So 200 years of uh, the congregation, the Presbyterian congregation at Brazo. That is correct. That's quite a milestone uh, when, you know, we think of the, the Lutheran immigrants and the history of our church and the, the many years, uh, the history that we give thanks to God uh, for here in the United States. The, the Presbyterians have even a little bit longer history there. Yes, they do. And we've got another 20 years to wait before we get to ours. <laughs> What what was the relationship like between the Lutheran immigrants and the Presbyterians who had already settled in that area? Well, I, I find it interesting that the area they came from in North Carolina already, uh, there were some German Lutherans in that area uh, that had been around for a long time. So I, I kind of think that the Scotch-Irish Presbyterians from North Carolina already had some... Uh, contact with German Lutherans. And uh, so when these German Lutherans showed up, I think they were, they had a little bit of a soft spot in their hearts for, for them already. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure there was all, uh, also a lot of uh, difficulty with communicating between the German-speaking Lutherans and the English-speaking Presbyterians. Uh, there never seemed to be any kind of a conflict between the two groups, though. In fact, since the the uh, Lutherans who settled here, as you explained before, were primarily um, professionals and city folk, not familiar with how to farm, not familiar with how to uh, live off the land, essentially. Uh, how did how did the, the the Lutherans survive? Well. As a result of them not knowing what they were doing, that first, especially the first winter, was very difficult for them, and uh, a lot of people were starving to death. And that's where the Presbyterians stepped up to the plate and realized that uh, these German Lutherans in another part of their county were were not doing well, and they they uh, cared enough about us that they brought food over to the uh, Lutherans. They uh, and as time went by, they also offered advice uh, for, for how these people could farm. Uh, they they showed them which kind of crops would grow around these this area. They they helped them with uh, I, I'll call it dangerous stuff. Like uh, they pointed out what poison ivy looked like, what the poisonous snakes uh, were in the area. So they were they were very helpful uh, to the Lutherans right away. <clears throat> And how did that relationship evolve over time? What did did they continue in that in their interaction? I I think so. I I, I the more I think about the relationship between uh, the Presbyterians and the Lutherans here, uh, I, I kind of jokingly say that the, if there's any conflict around here, it was Lutherans with Lutherans, and not with the Presbyterians. I think the Lutherans in this area realize how how uh, the Presbyterians uh, basically saved their lives and enabled them to survive here. Um, and we really appreciate it. We're so thankful for what they did here. Um, I, I like to tell a story that uh, uh, 
I happen to own the property that the Log Cabin College that became the Concordia Seminary uh, was first built, and it, it once belonged to my uncle Herb. And Herb told me a story of how the Presbyterians came over to his property. And he, I don't know where he heard the story, because he certainly was too young to, to know what happened in 1839. But uh, he said he had heard stories of how the Presbyterians had come to that property to help out uh, a woman that lived there. And I happened to think that that was uh, Christiana Binger, who was a widow that came over in 1839 with eight children. And uh, one of them being uh, Reverend, J who became Reverend J.F. Binger, who helped build the Log Cabin College on that property. So I, I kind of think that the one of the places that the Brazo Presbyterian showed up was on my property to del to deliver food to uh, some starving Lutherans there, and they were living right next to a cabin that was being built, uh, which would eventually house Concordia Seminary. That's quite a history and, and quite a relationship. Now, you've shared some of this in your blog on the uh, Lutheran History or Lutheran Heritage Center and Museum in Altenburg, the, the website for that. Um, tell us a little bit more about what we can learn there on your blog. Well, each, uh, well, about two out of every three days, we publish a blog post. And uh, what uh, we try to do is identify some. Uh, personality usually or a building that uh, was in, uh, part of the history of this place and uh, tell the story. For example, uh, today there's a blog that was written about an Eggers family uh, that uh, lived here for a while and eventually ended up out on the West Coast. So we, we tell those kind of stories uh, on a fairly regular basis. Our blog has been going for a little over three years now and we put over a thousand stories on that blog, and uh, I think it uh, has been very beneficial to our museum here in Altenburg to to provide that kind of information. Absolutely, there there's quite a bit in the museum. I, you know, I just mentioned the blog, but there's quite a bit in the museum. Tell us a little bit about the museum and what we can learn there at the Lutheran Heritage Center and Museum in Altenburg. Well, our our mission at the museum is to. Uh, continue to tell the story of the immigration that took place here uh, about 180 years ago and uh, uh, share it with the people. We've, we've got uh, a world-class uh, museum in our, our opinions. We've got uh, all kinds of artifacts on display. We also have a, a world-class uh, research library. Anybody that has any kind of roots to this area, this is the place to come because we have the church records for just about every Lutheran church in this area uh, that people can uh, actually look at are, are people, uh, we have uh, what are open stacks where people can actually uh, look at those records without having somebody to help them. And within those exhibits, recognition of the, the Brazo Presbyterians who were God's messengers um, or, or blessings yeah. to their neighbors as well. Yes, and we, we call them our angels. <laughs> and we do have an exhibit that's always here that, uh, that gives them the credit for helping us back in 1839-40. We'll provide a link to, that, to your blog as well with our program notes today. Mr. Warren Schmidt with the Lutheran Heritage Center and Museum in Altenburg, Missouri. Thank you so much for being my guest on the Coffee Hour today. Okay, thank you. Well, that does it for the Coffee Hour today. Check out more kfuo.org slash rallyweek. 
We'd love to share with you more about how to become a day sponsor here at KFUL. Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you anytime, anywhere.